0: Welcome to Episode 9 of Beating and Blazer Radio, your weekly audio dump of high-performance insights and best practices to help you engineer a purposeful lifestyle, hosted by me, Brandon Walker, and Eric Horback. In today's episode, we're talking about your values. Whether you're aware of them or not, your values drive your actions every single day. Your relationships, work, self-talk, and perception of success and failure are all heavily influenced by the values that underpin who you are. In this episode, we help you identify your core personal values and caution you against common pitfalls people experience when living an authentic, values-based lifestyle. Let's get started. All right, all right, React and Riff, the segment where you learn more than you expect about things that actually matter. This week was my turn to do the research. You ready to get fucked up with some knowledge? So ready. All right, great. What is the thing that is most important to me in the context of high performance, Eric? Values. Values, baby. Today, we are talking values. We're talking about calibrating your personal compass and making sure that the person that you wanna become, that you are behaving and thinking in ways that are actually gonna help you get from where you are today, to where you want to go. So today's episode is all about how to identify your personal values, how to come up with a life's purpose statement, and how all of that has a trickle down into the people you spend time with, the jobs that you take, uh, what you prioritize or deprioritize, what habits you end up uh, manifesting in your life. It is all rooted in, and this is the reason why it comes up in almost every episode, this is all rooted in your values. I believe that setting your core personal values is the most important thing in becoming a high performer. And I'll explain why. Think about an explorer, right? Like somebody who, whether it's uh, by land, by water, mountaineering, whatever, they have a compass. Duh. A compass is like the most fundamental navigation tool that you can have, right? It tells you which way is due north, which way is west. And so you always know at the end of the day, I need to go in this direction. Compass is always universally pointed at the same spot. You know where to go. Mm -hmm. Similarly, your personal values are your personal compass. It it is, without having those values, you have no idea which direction is north, east, west, south. It is impossible to tell what direction you're going. And so many people go through life without fully understanding who they are, or who they want to become. And so they succumb to expectations set by society. They get jobs that they don't actually want. And they have a really hard time of breaking through all the ambiguity and the noise. You know, they feel like their job sucks. They feel like they're, uh, they are they want to like exercise more or whatever. They're these teeny ticky-tack things, but we're missing the overall uh quilt that stitches it together, which is the values, the who are you, why does it matter what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? And so um, talking about how you actually calibrate your personal compass or set your values, that's where I want to start off. So first things first, there's this game I like to play with people called the reflection biography game. And the idea is you put yourself in the shoes of a biographer 50 years from now. So pretend that You have gone, you lived your whole life, maybe you're alive, maybe you're dead, whatever, doesn't matter. Somebody, a biographer, is writing a book about your life. The book can only be five chapters long and each chapter is a characteristic, an ideal, or a value that you carried throughout your entire life. It was a way that you lived and impacted other people. What would you like those chapters to be about? That's the first exercise. So what this does is it stretches you out to take yourself out of your own, she- take yourself out of your own head, where your current biases and uh, self-talk, like reasons why you can't be this person, you strip them out because it's this fan- fantasy game that down the road, somebody's looking back and saying, "Oh, this was the way that you lived your life. How would you want that to be written? Right? So a lot of people get really caught up in, in this exercise. Well, nobody in my family has ever done this, so I don't think I can do this. Well, I don't have the education for that. Um, you know, I don't. I've never made that much money before. I don't think that that's a thing for me. We have these these anchors that pull us back down that are rooted in self-talk that we or other people around us have been conditioning for a really long time. So this is a great exercise to get yourself out of that stretch. And see what the future looks like.
1: So the st- so step one is then it's almost like creating a fictional novel, in which the first step is you're creating um, the high level titles even of each chapter. Yep, you Same don't point. need to actually write don't the even, chapters. Yeah, don't right? even dive it's just, into the details of it. Just
0: what are they? Exactly. Again, this is going to get you out of your own way. So the idea of starting here is that you strip out all of the negative bullshit that's, that's going to keep you from becoming the person that you want to become. because It's fictional. It's fictional. Right? You're creating it's, it. It's this creative
1: side of your brain and you don't care about the actual reality that
0: you're living. Exactly. There's no, it's just a fantasy. So the second step in calibrating your personal compass is to make a word cloud. So now that we've broken that uh, headspace and we're allowing ourselves to play with this fictional character that we would love to be one day, it's like an idolized version of ourselves. You create a word cloud with tons of big ideas and words and um, concepts of who you want to become. So as you're trying to figure out what your values are, we're starting with a really big picture view of traits and characteristics that we admire in ourselves and in other people. Think like integrity, trustworthiness, authenticity, hustle, drive, uh, charisma, um, you know loyalty. You, there's a gazillion of these things that as you start to think through, you're like, yeah, yeah, these are all really good characteristics that I would like to embody one day, right? So the idea is we have our five fantasy words. We've gotten out of our headspace. Now we're creating a huge map and schema of all of these characteristics that we would like to emulate about other people. Um, now, Once we have this giant word cloud, we're gonna take it from this macro view of values and we're gonna take it down to a micro approach that's gonna help us uh, narrow it down to our final values. At this stage, I call it the four F's. You have family, fitness, finance, and fun. For most people, their values are gonna roll up into those buckets, the four Fs. So the idea here is, look at our word cloud, right? We have this big 50, let's say 50 words that we'd like to embody. We're gonna take these buckets, family, fitness, finance, fun, and we're gonna take the word cloud and we're gonna sort it into those buckets and we can make an other section if if that's necessary. Right, So we're we're creating some organization around the word cloud that we just made, trying to synthesize it, make sense of it, so our brain can better process all of that information. So remember, it's fantasy character. It's big picture. Now it's getting organized in the four Fs. Next step, remember, this this is a big process. This takes a while because this is so fucking important to who you are. The next step is to send an email to your five closest friends and family members, asking them what your strengths and weaknesses are and asking for general feedback about how you can grow and improve as a person. Why are we doing that? Because although our values are derivative of what we idealize and what we want to become, it's really important to have grounding in reality, right? Like if I say that, I really value um, authenticity and being real, but three of my five best friends tell me that one of my biggest weaknesses is I lie a lot, then I have an issue, there's a disparity there, right? So as we're trying to sort down the values that we carry for ourselves, it's really important to get feedback from people who know us to make sure we're living in accordance with those values.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So like the values which you kind of define as like your compass. And then moving forward as you scope back in and define the family fitness fun, the, the Fs, they kind of become like point B on the map, but you can't get there unless you know where you are, which is point A. And point A is where you get how you get point A and that clarity and honesty comes from asking the people around you.
0: I love that. That's a really good way to look at it. Absolutely. So we're, we're picking this, this life's purpose, like where the fuck are we actually going? But we need to know where we are today for that to make any sense.
1: Point is, is, is painful.
0: It's right. It is definitely painful. So you get to see all your deficits. Um, notice I said, get to see a lot of people like get destroyed by that growth mindset. Like Mm -hmm. you want to know exactly where you are. So you get the feedback from your five friends. Now we have all of this data sitting in front of us. This is where you've done most of the hard work. Now it comes down to picking and choosing, right? You can't be perfect. So looking at this word cloud, you may want to say, well, I'm going to be all of these things. You can't. That's the point of getting the strengths and weaknesses from people. What makes really successful people successful is they hone in on their strengths and they hire for their weaknesses. They double down on their creative abilities, their strategy, their um, specific functional skill that they've developed, and they outsource and push everything else away. So it's your job at this point, now that you've had the brutal honesty from your friends and family, now that you've figured out who the fuck you actually want to be, you have to decide what your priorities are as far as that word cloud and the value system goes. So, to give you more context, I'm going to read through my five values that I've curated for myself. Number one, fitness of mind, body, and spirit. I focus on my personal well being to stay healthy and grounded no matter how chaotic life becomes. Number two, learning through coursework, reading, and conversations. I pursue education and development across a variety of personal curiosities. Psychology, philosophy, and business are some of my core interests. Number three, dynamic adventures. I regularly do things outside my comfort zone to challenge myself physically, mentally, spiritually, and intellectually. Number four, entrepreneurship. I own my outcomes both positively and negatively. I build teams and systems from scratch to accomplish goals. And finally, number five, quality time with friends and family. I invest in my tribe with my time and energy. So you'll notice that there are these value words or phrases fitness of mind body and spirit and then I added some clarifiers what I focus on my personal well-being to stay healthy and grounded right so you're taking these these attributes and you're personifying them so it gives you something actionable in a particular moment so all that word cloud work the strengths the weaknesses you're going to create five statements or it's it's one value statement with your five values with the personification of how you want those to actually um, play out in your life. Once you do that, you're gonna memorize these. I could off the cuff read these to you. Um, I don't have the actual like personification memorized, but the actual values themselves, I do. I have them hanging in my office right in front of my computer. I have them hanging in my bathroom. These are things that I want constantly ingrained in myself. Um, and we'll explain why a little bit more. So once you create them, hang them, put them as your phone background, whatever you need to do to make these uh, a priority and a top of mind for you. And then finally, you ask your your people to hold you accountable to your values. This is not necessarily just an individual exercise. You should pull your tribe in on it. So your spouse, your friends, your family Let them know who you are trying to become and let them be a part of the process. It makes it way more fun um, and it's helpful to have your people around you supporting it.
1: That's really hard for a lot of people to do. Which part? Well, the 360 thing is really tough. I've done a lot of people just get like completely um, blocked to do the 360 exercise, which is to ask the people around you about your strengths and weaknesses and how you can improve. What do you think the blocker is? Ego, mm. yeah. Um, so ha- once you get to that point, you and you like you find out that someone really has that like they just can't ask that question. What do you like? What's the what's the solution
0: for someone like that? Get your head out of your ass. Get your head
1: just that simple. I mean, seriously.
0: <laughs> like if it, the the reason that somebody's listening to this podcast or the reason that somebody's interested in beating Blazer at all is because you're interested in becoming a higher performer. Mm-hmm. Becoming a higher performer is fucking hard. You have to shed your ego. You have to take your lumps. You have to believe in failure. You have to wanna to iterate. And if you have too much of an ego to acknowledge that you have weaknesses or you hide from that type of feedback, then you're always going to be the person that you are. It's, uh, you'll, the only way you can grow at that point is through competitiveness. Right. Cause, like, instead of acknowledging I can improve as a person, it's just, oh, I need to be better than this person. Mm-hmm. Then you're putting all of your locus of control onto something else, and that will eventually break down. Cause either A, you'll beat that person and the milestone's gone, and now there's nothing else driving you, or B, you'll lose to that person, start comparing yourself to that person. All these other parts of your life start to take negative mm-hmm. hits. And so, um, ask the question.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty pivotal kind of step. In this entire thing, because it's easier, it's far easier when you're younger than when you're older. I've always seen like it's the people that are in like their 35 and up and their 40s that have developed their personality and who they are. To unwind that is very it's so painful that to do like a 360 or some sort of um outward looking, open, honest look at yourself is just they can't get past it and they can't do it.
0: I I mean honestly, I feel like sympathy for those people. Because mm-hmm. if, you know, let's say I'm 45 and I have valued, uh, you know, fitness. Let's say that fitness is a value that I have carried. You know, I'm 45 years old, say I'm 50 pounds overweight. I ask my friends for my strengths and weaknesses. And my wife says, you've been talking about exercising forever and you haven't done anything and you're 50 pounds overweight. What am I getting? when I get to deny that, like, I have not been in alignment with my values, like that's just ignoring reality, right? Right. So like, I think for the person who actually wants to grow and improve, the only way you can decide to, I I watched this interview with Action Bronson last night, he's lost a hundred pounds since quarantine started. And and he says straight up, he's like, I I wish, I'm ashamed that I had a hundred pounds to lose and I still look like this. And he's like, but I did that to myself. Like, I I didn't exercise. I was eating way too much food. I was doing unhealthy shit. But like, yeah, I had a kid and the switch flipped and like, I need to get healthy. This isn't cool. That is shed it like, you know, imagine if he was denying the fact that he's overweight. That'd be be crazy. So anyway, my Mm -hmm. point is like, uh, there's no way to do this without doing that.
1: Sure. It's like the first step in unwinding who you are in order to make that leap to point B
0: exactly right you can't get there yeah knowing where uh, compass north is isn't helpful if you don't know where yeah I find
1: are. I find that that's a huge um so I went to business mastery that Tony Robbins one time and the way that he described like business in general from is from getting from point a to point b and first step was like getting real clarity on what that point b is getting excited about it getting all pumped up about that clarity in order to give you the strength to take back and look at exactly where you are at point A and then looking at, um, uh, talking to your fellow team members exactly like where you are as a leader, what exactly do you want as a leader? And then trying to like bridge that gap between point A and point B. But, um, even in that practice, when it comes to business, like that's like, was so essential that it was the first thing that they focused on.
0: Clarity. Clarity. Yep. It, otherwise it's, Clarity where you are and where you want to go. Again, I think it's the most fundamental, Fundamentally important thing because without it, you're just addressing symptoms instead of the actual root uh, goal that you have for yourself.
1: Yeah. And I'd argue that before anyone even does something like that in their business, it's probably best that they do it in their personal life first, doing exactly what you're saying, doing the values first. Because if you are a business leader in some way and you're trying to create that point A and point B in business, but you don't have it for yourself first, then you might be going in the complete wrong direction. Like your compass is already off
0: exactly so this stuff is step one because your business identity is a subset of is the macro level you it's a part of you it is not you mm-hmm. and if if you're aligning your business but you're not aligning the rest of yourself yes it could carry you you know in a direction that pulls you away from your family which mm-hmm. is actually something else that you value it pulls you closer to greed which is something that you probably don't value mm-hmm. you know um your health may take a sacrifice and so it's to, to what end do I want this value so bad being the business outcome, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to weigh that against everything else. You may make the decision that's what you want that's totally okay, but it has to go through the filter of the higher level, you know, m- macro personal values.
1: Right. Otherwise you drift towards like whatever social collective consciousness is happening that's kind of what happens if you don't d- define your values and who you want to be, you just drift towards the group. That's another right? very
0: big piece of it. Mm-hmm. I agree. So sort of flipping that question back onto you, what advice would you give somebody who can't readily identify their values? You know, somebody who's sitting down, it's like, fuck, this is hard. You know, I did the word cloud. I have a lot of stuff. They're having a tough time filtering it. How can you narrow something that is as complex as a human down to five attributes um,
1: I'd have to steal it from an exercise that I did that was like really helpful for me, which was um, to identify like three or four or five aspiring people in not, maybe not in your life, but maybe they're authors, maybe they're on TV or whatever it might be. Just people that you find inspirational and then break down what you think their values might be. And then that will sometimes will typically lead to exactly you know, what yours are.
0: Hmm. So sort of like our first exercise, it's a fantasy character. It's a fantasy future us, right? This, yeah. this biography game, what you're saying is take an actual person who is not us and break down what makes them so inspirational for, for you, for me,
1: for you as an individual, yeah. right? Cause it's all different. Like I might look at someone like Richard Branson or Elon Musk and then pick apart like all the things I really, get inspired about on their, about their character. Um, and the things that inspire me might be completely different than what inspires you. And if that's the case and that's unique to me, then that's gotta be some sort of trigger or clue as to what my actual values are.
0: Mm. I like that. So we, we just talked about how looking at your business values is not enough. You have to scope it in the context of everything else. What do you think about setting up a uh, a series of values or a shared value system with um, or a shared personal compass with a spouse or a business partner? Like, how do you model? You know, what are mine individually? What are yours individually? And build something that makes sure that we are building in collaboration with one another.
1: So that is so epically important to do. Where you're not you want to make sure you're not going in completely different directions, right you have to align some sort of values now that doesn't mean you you can't be completely ind like you can't be an individual and have your own values but there's there's got to be places where they intersect okay and I mean I don't know yeah you know, that's something I feel like is something you work on continuously i can't imagine i mean at least not in my experiences where it's like you set values and you set these um collective values and that over time you're guaranteed to have a situation where one is conflicting with the other um and it's just a constant iterative process i think especially with partnerships and spouses i mean unless you just find someone that just fits right (laughs) i don't know if that's even a thing but to me i think it's just a constant iterative process where you're constantly talking about your values you're constantly talking about your goals, your values, your, you know, self-identities, whatever it might be and how you want to
0: show up. So let, let's let try to make this a little bit more tactical. So for, okay. I, I agree with the importance of it, but so is it like, okay, I have my five self-identifying values, right? I just read through them. Mm-hmm. You have yours mm-hmm. or you will uh, by the end of this episode or by next week's episode, to give you a hint as to what the challenge is for this week, you will. And so is it I have mine, you have yours, and we sit down and write collective ones? Or is it more ad hoc, that middle ground between our value systems? And I'm just, obviously, it's an opinion based yeah. thing. I'm just curious um, how you and your wife think about it, for example. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that sitting down and developing family values is a really important practice and I've done that and my wife has done that. And it's like, um, a lot of times when you do things, you do them for the family and then you also have your individual personal values. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like there's two sets where they go together, right? Your values aren't going to, they, I I don't know if they'd completely be so incredibly separate as in a spouse and a family situation, Um, in a business situation, yeah, they can very much be different, but in a spouse and a family situation, um, you're likely not going to be committed to someone that has like crazy, huge, different values than you. You know, if, if you're with someone that wants children or if one of their values is to be a parent or defining parenthood in some way, and the other one is more individualistic, I don't want to be a parent. I want to whatever, put my time and attention somewhere else. Then that relationship, you know, it's, it's not you're better off just not being together, right? So I think that your values inevitably line up if you're with the person that you're supposed to be with. Um, and then it's important to have individual values and family values. I think that like the idea of having them uh, either separate or together, I think it's not either or, mm-hmm. it's kind of both. It's a blend. It's a
0: blend. Um, so I I totally agree with that. It's sort of like... Like instead of let's use family as an example, right? It's like okay, I personally value entrepreneurship, right? I like building things from scratch, solving problems, blah blah blah. How does that apply in the context of my family, right? Like how do you how do you actually integrate that that sort of value into the family? Maybe from a family's perspective, it's uh, we value quality time together. And so therefore entrepreneurship doesn't, um, you know, you, you set some parameter around the amount of time that you spend at home and that's inflexible, right? And that, that sort of becomes a derivative value from entrepreneurship. Yes. I love building. I love doing this, but the value of being a good father or uh, partner or whatever, um, sort of trumps that and it, that drives your work life balance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of them blend too. Um, like for example, like parenthood. For like, if if you're an entrepreneur and you've developed a growth mindset and a lot of the mindsets that you need in order to like grow a business and have the grit to see it through, you need that exact same value systems in, up in parenthood. In my, in from my experience, that
0: makes a lot of sense. Because like being,
1: I, I'll be honest. Like, and I've this is part of uh one of the essays that I had sent you, one of the first ones that you challenged me with, and one of the, um, the challenges. Mm-hmm. And it was how. How closely related the mindset is from my experience so far from being a good entrepreneur or at least just being an entrepreneur, right? I don't even know how you define good unless like you're whatever your metric might be for success. But being an entrepreneur and the mindset of being an entrepreneur and how it relates to being a parent is so eerily similar. Hmm. And the preparation that you go through – um when you actively prepare, because there are a lot of entrepreneurs that kind of like push aside the family in order to focus on their business, but to have that blend, if you want to have the value of entrepreneurship and family, like the exact same mindset and the exact same mind skills that you create as an entrepreneur are used in parenting and in husbandhood or spousehood, whatever. Hmm, cool.
0: Yeah. I, I guess that, I mean, that makes sense, right? It is like a little, a little project. It, I mean, that's it not, so is, yeah. yeah you right. need
1: to be growth-minded, right? You need to be curious, open-minded. Mind. Yep. Like, yeah,
0: shed your ego. Like, I, your You have ego. no idea how the fuck to take care of a baby. You so. have to deal
1: with uncertainty uh-huh. and tons of it, right? It's the only difference that I was able to identify was the fact that like biology has completely set your deadlines for you.
0: <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, the whole uh, trying to hold yourself accountable as an entrepreneur isn't super... Pertinent when uh right you have a screaming baby or yeah, a shitty oh, yeah. diaper
1: yeah I mean you have you, you find out you're pregnant you have like six or nine months it's coming game time there's no moving that deadline <laughs> you
0: it, you <laughs> um, all right so so we've we've gone really deep on values the next step of the is like once you create your value statement that parlays into a life's purpose statement. Now, the difference is if your values are who you are or how you see yourself, the purpose is why you're on this planet and what you actually do with the values. And so this is something that, um, this is still a work in progress for me. Like I know my values, but like, what is my purpose? Like Beanie and Blazer is still so fresh, but just the application in the context of business, that alone is sort of an identity, not necessarily a purpose. The business has a purpose, but what is my purpose? Things that I know about myself. I want to have a family. I, <clears throat> I want to have these businesses. I want to travel a lot. Like I know these traits and characteristics, but how that manifests over time is still very much a work in progress for me. And um, And to be honest, <clears throat> as we're getting closer to our beta in November, like this is something I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to figure out, but I don't think it's something that you can just like, you know, think into existence. So the way a life's purpose statement manifests, the way that I think it should manifest is it's taking those five values and putting it in a box of, okay, if I live by these things, this is the way that I served, you know, the people that I interacted with. Like this is this is how that actually manifested in my life. I thought a lot about the obituary. You made me write a few episodes ago. That was the closest thing to a purpose statement that I could put together. It integrated family, it integrated my personality, it integrated the business stuff. But it's not a, a purpose statement. So the idea is get your values, who you are and how you see yourself, and then roll that into your big why like why are you okay if that's a person that you are why the fuck are you here like what are you going to do with that and that is the next question in the equation it's a tough one it is it's hard and i'm sure it evolves and changes over time but Uh like i think it's i think that's a really important lid to put on this exercise so again that's like the full orientation of your values like that is your the the compass is now calibrated. It can evolve, it can change plan or p- not plan B. Point B can move around, um but at least it gives you some direction.
1: Yeah, so I've done these exercises before and they come up they come out fairly similar, but each one, each time when they walk you through these types of exercises and these like they have those like really eye-opening questions that you have to answer, like they stump they stump me every time. I'm looking forward to you said that this is part of my challenge. I'm looking forward to it cuz it's been it's probably it's been years since I've like explored that, and I'm sure it's changed. It's, I haven't done it yet since I became a father. I'm, so sure, I'm sure that's yeah. I'm a lot.
0: sure there's. Uh, I'm sure you had something before about like wanting to be a parent or you know new. No. No. Cool. Well, then shit. Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously. Yeah. It has definitely changed then.
1: Yeah. Back when I did it, like yeah, we didn't know we were going to have a child. It was like very much like a one percent chance. So everything, yeah, everything changed. Very cool. So that's interesting. I'm looking forward to doing that.
0: Um, awesome. So, all right, now I want to answer the question that I'm sure people are asking, like, why does any of this really matter? I mean, we've talked a lot about point a point B, but like, can't I just sort of go with the flow and live life? Like, of course, absolutely. You can, this podcast is all about how to become a high performer. And becoming a high performer means owning your outcomes, having clarity of your vision, and being able to like drive in that direction and not just go with the flow. And so I made a uh, a chart that sort of breaks down semantically why this actually has so much purpose. So I'm gonna walk through that real quick. Values give you clarity, right? So figuring out your values gives you clarity. It gives you clarity of who you are, who you want to become, what direction you're going. Uh, it, it it takes away all of the pressure of living according to what other people tell you you should want. And it's, it's forcing you to start thinking about what you want and how you want to behave. Having that amount of clarity gives you your purpose. And your purpose in life, again, is the why. It's the point B. It's uh, ultimately just how all of these values manifest over time. Having clarity of your purpose, it gives you vision of like what tactical next steps need to happen. So for example, me saying I value entrepreneurship, right? That's a value. The purpose overarching that is therefore I wanna have a company that is going to impact a lot of different people, right? That's, that's a, a purpose of the entrepreneurship value. Having that purpose and alignment with that gives me vision as to, OK, I need to go start a company. What is that company going to look like? And it starts blossoming and you start figuring out the vision for that all rooted in that value. Another example, fitness of mind, body and spirit. I want to run a marathon. OK, so that's how that's going to manifest. Val- health of mind and body. I'm going to go run a marathon. Therefore, I have a whole training protocol. I signed up for a marathon in February. Now that's all coming to fruition. The vision is now incumbent from that value. Cool? Once you have the vision, it starts creating forks. Forks in the road. It gives you decision trees. So for example, let's go back to the entrepreneurship one. Do I stay at untapped? Do I go start Beanie and Blazer? right? Now that I have a vision for this business idea, I say I want to be entrepreneurial. It creates a decision tree and I can pick A or B. Do I live in accordance with this value or do I not? Oftentimes, it's choice A, B, C, D. Like There's more a multitude of decisions. But it's taking what is traditionally really messy and ambiguous and scary and confusing and it turns it into, oh, okay, it's a logical thing here. Now it's just, is it A, is it B, is it C? But it's rooted in Clarity of mind and purpose and all this other stuff. So once you create the forks in the road, you're able to make decisions. Having the ability to make decisions gives you power and having power gives you confidence. So that's sort of like the end of the value chain and the, you, you could keep going, but ultimately having values gives you confidence is the end point there. And having confidence is one of the most important aspects of self growth, right? Remember the first exercise on this whole fucking episode was pretend that you're not actually talking about yourself because it gives you confidence to be free flowing. Like who could I become without all of these things that you tell yourself as to why you can't do that. And so actually building on the value starts to create that flywheel and momentum that gives you power and confidence. And it breaks down some of the the fear of living your to your fullest um self-expression and yeah gives you direction
1: yeah so and one of the biggest sources of like anxiety is probably is indecision right whereas if you create your values and you created these statements and these like this that compass when you hit a moment of indecision that would typically cause anxiety in a lot of people um you have that clarity that you talked about in order to make that decision, right? That fork in the road. So there's like um it just makes gives you makes you more decisive, right? Mm-hmm. Which would probably help you excel at work, help you excel at whatever you're doing.
0: Exactly. And again like so I literally yesterday somebody asked me to grab a cup of coffee. Um they're struggling with work right now, right? I I don't love the work that I'm doing, but I love the team that I'm with. I think I want to travel. I I don't know. So I started asking some other questions. Well, like, okay, let's table work for a second. Tell me about your family. Like, do you live near your family, with your family? What's that situation? Oh, I live with my parents. I'm super close to my family. Okay, so then I I broke it all down. I was like, so what I'm hearing is a lot of conflict. I want to travel, go live abroad, but I don't want to leave my family. I love my mentors and the people that I work with, but I hate my job. I have been in Wilmington for the last 8, 10 years, and I love it, but I'm feeling pressure to leave. It's like these, these constant points of conflict, right, in the conversation. And so she had asked me to get coffee to talk about the decision with work. What do you think I should do? Very quickly, I realized, no, 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 this is not a work question. That's just a symptom, right? The problem is you don't know what the fuck you want in life. You don't know what you want to do with your job next. You don't know where you want to live. You don't know what your move is. And so the entire conversation was this podcast going through, like, listen, you need to stop and start breaking these things down before you make another decision. That's going to like push you on a path that you haven't been thoughtful about. And who knows what's on the other side of that. Um, so again, I've seen this manifest over and over and over. And to your point about having the the clarity and the forks in the road and the ability to make decisions imagine making those decisions without knowing the direction you want to go that you're you're basically like begging yourself to have some sort of epiphany in the next three to five years that you've made some sort of big mistake and you have to go unwind all of it i would much rather go through the painful effort now of making sure i'm prophesying the right direction rather than unwinding it later because mm. i've done that and it sucks <laughs>
1: Or just looking back after five years and being in the exact same place that you mm. were, right? Because that's what indecision, that's what happens.
0: Leads to complacency.
1: Leads to complacency, which is what we talked about uh, in the last episode with the drifters, somewhere between 63 and 76% of the workforce.
0: Totally are- disconnected and actively. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. Um, so uh, speaking about the the pain of doing it now versus doing it later, what do you think is the hardest part of going through this whole exercise? You, you talked a little bit about the ego earlier, but um, do, do you think that's the hardest part, or is there anything else?
1: I think for most people, it would be getting out of the habit of being yourself, or I guess thinking like yourself. Because mm. if you're constantly thinking like yourself, then you have a really hard time answering these questions. That's why I like the like it's perfect how you have to look at it as like a fictional character. Um but I think that separation is is still going to be really difficult is like to remove yourself from that fictional character and then um yeah the ego part the 360 you know you're sure like academically or you know writing down all these things on paper but acting as if I think that gap between knowing and doing is always really difficult mm. So you have to break the habit of thinking the way that you think in order to start filtering your thoughts through your values. Um, so that is probably the hardest. And I think that the 360 um, exercise of asking your friends and family about your their strengths, strengths and weaknesses, I think that is an incredible way to break the habit of being yourself. Not that like you should ever be in a place where you don't like yourself, Right, so I think it starts also with being grateful and having that gratitude of where you are, before trying to like change everything. I think that's a tough one too, because then if you get stuck like identifying all these things that you want to be in the future, and then thinking about all these things you want to be in the future, then you're comparing it to where you are today. And if you're not grateful for where you are today, then that's just going to leave you in a really rough spot.
0: Yep. Yeah. the The idea is in no way to change who you are as a person. Right. The idea is to bring awareness to an intention to the way that you think and behave mm-hmm. to help you optimize your best qualities and to help you, um, like diminish the impact of the self-destructive part of ourselves that we all have.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's all in a spirit of, of growth. I'm just, as I'm talking, I'm just thinking through people in my life that I've been in like those stuck places where a lot of this, um, are exercises that don't really get them anywhere. I'm trying to think through like the people I've worked with or family members. And I think that's like the commit. I think it's like a lack of commitment maybe is what I'm thinking. Like if there's not a full blown, a hundred percent grit backed commitment to this process, then you're going to get stuck in old habits.
0: A hundred percent. And, and I think it's something that like, you know, you're, you're running this through your head, like, okay, friends, family, business partners, like who, who could use this or like who has resisted doing this? The, the point is high performance is a road that not many people travel. This is something Mm -hmm. that has to be completely, completely intrinsic. You have to decide that there's a change that you want to make or, or a next level that you want to achieve. And so there's no part of this that you could just go home and be like, Hey uh, mom, I think you could really use this. So I'd like for you to go through this exercise. Right. You know, right. it's like then you're playing the holier than thou or um
1: Right. So it's only really useful if you're already there in search of blank. Mm-hmm. Fill in the blank. Yep. Right.
0: But this would be useful for everybody. And I truly believe that. But I it think has so too. to be it has to be self induced. Mm-hmm. Um Last question on the topic of uh, values and purpose. What happens when you realize that you have not been living in alignment with your values? Like, what if you go through this process, sort of like you were saying before, you're like, holy shit, I have a lot of stuff that. Whether it's bad habits or you realize you hate your job or the relationship that you're in is toxic. Like what if you start running this audit in your head and you're like, oh my gosh, I have so many changes I need to make.
1: That's guaranteed. I feel like I've done these things. Yep. And I promise that 100% of the time, every time you do it, you could do it every year, you could do it and you're going to find things that you wish you would have done differently or like you just recognize or have this awareness like, holy shit, okay, this aspect of my life, I'm not living according to these particular values. You just can't do it all at once, right? So the question was, what do you do then?
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> yes, yes. What happens when you run the audit and you realize that you've gotten yourself in a little bit of a jam? Man, I wish
1: I knew the answer to that. I wish I knew that if there was like one really awesome answer to that, and I'm sure everybody's a little bit different, but I think they just the reminder of falling in love with the journey has helped me during those times. And that it's a humble journey. And you have to be like, there's like this crazy balance between gratitude of the journey, gratitude of experiences and, the wishes or desires of wherever the person is that you want to be or whoever that might be. And it's not that you aren't, you know, it's just a reminder that like you're you're probably pretty awesome the way you are. Right. But it's in the, it's in the spirit of growth. It's in the spirit of service and it's in like the um, spirit of growth. I think I just leave it at that. I don't think I need to go any further and just falling in love with the journey just reminding yourself to do that.
0: So I think in principle, I totally agree with that. I think that's a great high level insight. But like, let's say you literally realize I live in the wrong city. I have the wrong job. I have the wrong girlfriend or boyfriend. I'm overweight and I'm in debt. <laughs> right? Okay, it's like extreme and, levels. Yeah. Like you're like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. I, I've never taken the time to really reflect and analyze these things. Yeah. Like from a tactical standpoint, how do you start unwinding some of that?
1: Um, so the beginning. You're talking about the beginning of this journey. Yeah. Right? Not on your way, you're already through it. We've but gone you're...
0: through the exercise, just we now realize- the first
1: time you're doing this exercise, mm-hmm. you realize, holy shit, I'm totally... What makes sense, um, just the immediate thing that comes to my mind is, just say, uh, develop the gratitude of where you are and pick one thing. One thing to focus on um, and start working on it. Mm-hmm. And just be okay with whatever, however long it takes. Just say, I'm doing this no matter what. This one thing,
0: and um, so meaning, for example, I am going to I'm over I'm gonna I'm gonna get get in shape because I believe that that's gonna be a cornerstone habit. Or it'll fix the relationship. Like mm-hmm. I'll take more ownership, and that has a trickle down impact. Like sort of the the habit stacking stuff. Is that your my your thought yep, process? Pretty much. I think another piece of it is like. I, I believe that goals and that's going to be another podcast episode is goal setting, but they need to be time bound. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the next, you know, six months healthy get gets the weight I want. I'm going to give myself that time to hit that goal and see how it impacts these other facets of my life that I'm unsatisfied with. And if in that time, I have achieved that goal, but these other pieces of my life are still in disarray. I'm going to address those next. And so you're creating a game plan and a path forward, but to your point, you're not just systematically blowing everything up in your life and just like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, waving in the wind.
1: Yeah, and I think that when you pick in the same psychology and performance coaching or psychology and performance psychology have different I guess, ways of addressing this from my understanding where psychology will make you go back, rewind the tapes and undo whatever it is that's creating the problems that you're having or try and like discover, have that self-discovery of the past that had maybe triggered whatever it is going on today. Like if you're focused on like an unhealthy weight issue or something like that, where performance makes you look forward, goal-oriented. Past doesn't really matter. You're just redeveloping and reauthoring your future, right? And who you are. And the first steps to that is doing the struggle, the education, right? So let's say that you take the route of choosing one thing. Um, it's not about just like, I mean, this is why everyone fails at like New Year's resolutions, right? They think that you just wake up and start doing it cold turkey. So then it's all about education, right? You got to do the struggle period mm-hmm. of educating yourself, right? What does it mean to eat healthy? Like describe, like try and develop not just a plan of like how you're gonna do it, but why you're gonna do it. Like, what are the reasons for developing these healthy habits of eating or whatever it might be? Um, and then education around exactly what the hell it means to eat healthy, and just like knowledge, 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 and then eventually it turns into action. Nice.
0: And, right. Nice. Um. All right. Cool. So summarizing everything from this segment. Uh, Number one, we're going to set values, set our purpose statement. Um, Once you have that identified, start to take action, use your calendar, set habits that are in alignment with your values and purpose. This is a huge part of Mindset Accelerator of Beanie and Blazer's methodology. We go really, really deep on this in our educational stuff online and in the community. So uh, if you ever need help with this, reach out, podcast at We love helping people on their journeys. Um, you get fucked up with some knowledge? Yeah. New frameworks? Good. Great. All right, man. Cool. All right. The weekly challenge. This is our favorite segment of the show because we get to torture each other all for the sake of learning, of course. Uh, At the end of 10 episodes, the person with the fewest successful tasks is going to get punished by a listener-submitted challenge, and the person with the most wins is going to get a reward from the listeners. So far, we have both completed every exercise. It's not looking great. I think it's going to have to be a flip of the coin unless I can stalemate you. Last week, you gave me perhaps one of the most uncomfortable exercises of all time. And so I'm real excited. I'm
1: so excited to hear about it.
0: Well, it happened.
1: Okay. Yeah. You get a mark. So, I'm give you the mark before or after you tell me about your experience. Uh,
0: after, I guess. Huh. I made the mistake of talking to my brother and like telling him, "Dude, I have to do this fucking ridiculous challenge? And he's like, well, why did you just tell me about it? You should have done it to me and i was like dude let's be real here had i walked out with my pants off and started yelling at you you would not have engaged in the interaction at all you would have said i'm not talking to you you put some fucking pants on and i would have been stalled out so he was like all right honestly yeah good read that probably wouldn't have played the way you wanted it to
1: so the actual challenge oh sorry what was that
0: yeah go ahead
1: so my challenge to you was to argue naked with somebody
0: yeah Pick a fight naked, right?
1: (laughs) Pick a fight naked.
0: We probably should have said that from the jump. Yeah, yeah. I have to. I have to fight somebody while I'm naked, (laughs) and I realize that the other person doesn't have to be naked, but I have to be naked. So, um, so anyway, we record our last episode on Friday. Today is Monday morning, and so I only had two days to make this happen, and um, I have very few people in my life that are gonna like help with this you know like most people their illicit response to you coming up to them naked is put some goddamn pants I don't care how angry you are <laughs> so um so anyway the way that it manifested was I I was spending time with a uh, a female um yesterday and I kept trying to uh piss her off while my clothes were still on and and then like quickly and surreptitiously lower my undergarments and you know be in a position where i could i could keep going and so uh now the other issue with this is (laughs) dude this is so (laughs) ridiculous so friday night after you gave me the challenge i told said person that this is my challenge it's an accident it slipped out because like I expected her to probably end up being the person, but I was like excited and pissed about it. And I, and I actually said it and she was like, huh? uh, Okay, great. So I talked to Ethan Saturday morning. My brother didn't happen. I'm sitting there like, okay, okay. I got, I'm running out of time. I need to figure this out. So fortunately she forgot all about this conversation that we had Friday night. So yesterday I asked her to uh, review some writing that I had done. Like, hey, can you proofread this? Let me know what you think. And (laughs) uh, she responded with, oh, well, like, here you go. Here's my updates on the Google Doc. And I was like, why don't you just make the fucking updates yourself? Like, why am I the one that has to do everything? And I'm (laughs) being dead-ass serious? And she's like, are you fucking, are you serious? I'm like, Yeah, why do I always have to be the decision maker? It's always me. I'm always the one that has to make the final say. Like, why don't we have a fucking partnership here and you put it in? And she's like, clearly getting really upset. And I'm just slowly lowering my pants. And she's like, what the fuck? What are you doing? So I'm like, nothing. Like, it's just, I'm so, I'm so hot. I'm so frustrated. So then, like, she like sort of shook her head and and, like blew me off. And I was like, I had to keep. Like going to keep the fight engaged I'm like no see I just started being a dick honestly I was just like really trying to break it open and get into a fight then the moment of clarity came over her where she realized what was happening because I told her about it Friday night she started dying laughing I'm like this isn't funny (laughs) so I tried it lasted probably cumulatively five minutes but it was like I think if I had more time and more optionality, I could have done a better job and like planned it more distinctly, but I was just looking for opportunities to like drop trow. So I did it, (laughs) but that was a ridiculous exercise.
1: (laughs) So there is some, I don't, I don't want to. So Jamie wheel is the one that I first heard that from. Right. And in it, uh, the reason why he was doing it was because like when you're naked Like this is you right this is all me there's no like metaphorical like ego in arguing that causes you to argue when you're naked kind of dis it just like it it disappears right it diffuses because you're naked right so like kind of the idea of arguing naked is almost impossible because once you're naked how are you going to argue right the other person and their ego is completely gone because you're naked Right. Right? So like they what are they gonna respond with no matter what you say? So it's this weird like it's this weird conflict that goes on in the brain when that happens and it makes it virtually impossible to actually do the argument. No,
0: it sure is. Have you ever seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah, I don't remember. The the opening scene of the movie, she's breaking up with him and he's naked.
1: Doesn't he do like the no, the not exactly. It's a little shimmy, oh, okay. little
0: shimmy thing. But she's like, "Will you please, Peter, go put some pants on?" And he's like, "No, because if I put my pants on, it's over." And so he refuses. So she's breaking up with him. He's just bare ass. So every, like every time I think of this, I'm like, I have to do forgetting Sarah Marshall. I'm not comfortable with this. But yeah, that was a good one. So you succeeded. Um, would you consider would, it a success? I would consider it a, like I I did it. I picked a fight like out of nowhere, thin air, like a magician. <laughs> And then I got through enough of the argument that there's clearly tension in the room before it broke and um, the other person realized what was happening. So I, I'd like to be afforded a, a point.
1: <laughs> I mean, were you naked? Yeah. Okay.
0: I'll give you a point. No, yeah. You did great. No. <laughs> nope. Um, yeah. I was.
1: <laughs> well, maybe it enhanced your relationship. Perchance. With your special friend. Or
0: ruined it. Or ruined
1: it.
0: We'll find out one now she's
1: ruminating over all the stuff that you said while you were naked.
0: Yeah, I was kind of being a dick. Because, like, you really have to... There's nothing to... I I, really had to come up with some nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, your challenge this week, Eric, is... To write your own value and purpose statements, so I want you to go through the entire exercise that we ran through in the React and Rift segment. Go through your uh, reflection biography, do your word cloud, the four F's, put together your five um, values, and to the best of your ability, put together a purpose statement. Like I said. I'm, I still have not finalized mine. I think it's a work in progress, but maybe I can anchor to some of the stuff that you've put together since you put a lot of time and thought and energy into this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. You have this on a PDF, like on a sheet, right? That I can follow each each one of those steps that we talked about in yeah. the podcast. Yep, that you can send me. Okay,
0: I sure do. Yeah,
1: where I got so back to this other part. So where I got stuck last time, I think I an- I think we answered the question in the podcast was um, getting caught building identities versus like actual value actual values so all of a sudden like it was like fatherhood right and then identifying exactly what that meant to me versus like um the values part of it
0: like yeah the value would be um being present for family or something to that effect so that's
1: the wide yeah okay so that's the wide scope and i was getting probably too detailed
0: getting yeah yeah I was the last time i
1: looked at your newsletter Mm -hmm.
0: thing okay Cool. I'm cool. excited. I'm very excited to see it. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and transition into uh, Entrepreneurs on the Fly. Here's where we talk about our businesses, what problems we've experienced, lessons we've learned, and recommendations for improvement. Do you have anything you'd like to talk about today?
1: My biggest challenge we've already talked about, which is like the scheduling thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you want to get into that because sure. it was part yeah. of your newsletter?
0: That's super helpful. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I think I might have brought it up once before, but like since you just wrote that newsletter, I think it would be really helpful for um, to kind of like repeat some of that stuff. Okay. Um, scheduling, especially when you have like a lot of things going on, it's really easy to put like exact items or exact to-do list items on the schedule or on your calendar and move those around so I have two, two approaches. I either put like a to-do list item on my calendar, or I put a blocked off time with a topic or something that I know I need to do, whether it's writing or creative work or whatever it is. So that's like 90 to 120 minutes, um, or the actual to-do list item on the calendar. But in doing that, there's no, like, there's no like actual built-in punishment for moving it around. Mm -hmm. So you might have like this whole, a week that's like dedicated towards like, financial budgeting or something like that. And then you to-do list a bunch of things on there about financial budgeting, but then all of a sudden it gets moved. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of the week because you got caught up doing a million other things that you needed to do. And the end of the week is over. And all those to-do list items now have to move to the next week. The more that that happens, like the more guilt you feel about that happening and that stuff moving around, the more like, heaviness you get like cognitive load wise that you're just moving all this stuff around but then moving around stuff on your calendar then becomes a habit right so how do you break that habit and be disciplined with your calendar and like what are some of the tools techniques and like mindsets and going into actually building a calendar week to week
0: i think um a lot of so i i struggle with this as well like i think um i really admire people i've I've talked about jake the cmo of beanie and blazer that dude is the most dedicated to his calendar every 30 minute window is blocked off and he is a zealot like if it's not on there it's not happening i'm not talking to you it is it is go time i'm just not that dude it is hard for me to program myself to that degree and so i practice like it's called rigid flexibility. So those two hour time blocks know what I got to do, dial it in fucking laser focus. And then outside of that, I'm free to do whatever, which is typically socializing or, um, stuff around the house, like value based stuff that makes me feel recovered and fulfilled and whatnot. Um, but some of the things that I hear about a lot is gamifying your to-do list. So it's like, you know, let's say you love, uh, cookies you know if you set your to-do list for the day and you complete it you give yourself a cookie if you don't you don't get the cookie like that alone requires willpower but something that like makes you feel like you're completing a competition it puts a level of incentive or accountability on you for not doing those things so that you're not solely relying on willpower or your five-year ten-year vision to keep tethering you down to what you're doing like right now at this moment
1: So doing a big project, let's say you put like a project, like you have a day and the day before you're like, okay, here's the steps I need to take in order to like make this day successful. And I do that at the end of each one of my days. I know what I'm going to go into the next day. But then once you get into like the first thing you realize like, okay, I was, I didn't prepare enough time or whatever it might be because this one thing actually had all these facets that you didn't think of because you've never done it. Right. Cause a lot of building businesses, a lot of entrepreneurship is skill acquisition. Mm -hmm. And if you've never acquired a particular skill, you have no idea what goes into actually acquiring it. So if you're trying to get like 10% there and you have this two hour time gap that you develop and all of a sudden you realize like, shit, like this isn't going to get me to my goal. Then all of a sudden that turns into a big old to do list that you otherwise didn't, know you were going to have and you try to tackle that that day because that is what was on your to do list meanwhile you're moving the other things which are just as important because everything is to a further day and then that turns into like this never-ending process right yeah that's my
0: struggle my big thing is when i push it off i'm like yeah i'll get to this later but every time you say i'll get to this later the stuff that you have to do Like writing, I told you I got backlogged on my writing. I kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And then all of a sudden I'm here this weekend and it's like, okay, we have this big shoot. I need to prepare for I need to wrangle in all the actors. We need to get the set figured out. We need to, um, I have the newsletter. We're trying to switch softwares for where the newsletter is going out. And now I have to write a fucking essay on top of all of that. I'm not going to have time to get a proofread. I just am going to have to go for it. I'm not pumped with the quality that I put out this morning. And it was all based on not doing what I said I was going to do when I was going to do it. And so it, it has like second, third order effects on the back end yeah. um, that always bite me in the ass. But, you know, embrace the struggle, man. Embr- <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I don't think there's on a it. one
0: size fits all like solution no i mean it but there is stick to your fucking calendar yeah you know like if if you say you're gonna do it just fucking do it that is the solution
1: so i wonder if there's like so the discipline in the calendar is the problem so the solution needs to be to add more discipline in the calendar so i guess the question then becomes like how do you add more discipline maybe one or if it's like perceivably above your capability or like if it's overwhelming to get that disciplined, what can we do to break that down into like some smaller idea in order to actually do the discipline or like maybe get disciplined on one day or this part of my calendar? I don't know.
0: I think it comes down to set a week long sprint. So earlier you said financial budgeting is the focus for the week. Mm -hmm. Let's say sales or creative is the thing for the week. That doesn't mean every waking moment of your work time goes into that like category, but it dominates 80%. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, cool, within that, we know every day is gonna have 80% of my block time is gonna go towards financial budgeting. So then you get your time blocks, you get hyper specific about the things you need to do, I need to find an accountant, I need to review this, blah, 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 blah. Then um, once you have those things figured out, it's a matter of the gamification, like we had talked about, and um, like going back at the end of the week and reviewing all the work that you did to give yourself a pat Cele- on the back, celebrate Celebrate, it.
1: right, um, so that you get that dopamine.
0: Exactly.
1: That's the key.
0: And there's a tool that I just found out about uh, yesterday called Cold Turkey. I was telling my friend about this issue with scheduling, and Cold Turkey basically turns off all of your tools except for what you're supposed to be working on. So for example, if you're writing, you can't open anything else until you write 500 words it, like it forces it nothing else can happen or if you're trying to avoid facebook or something else it can block things it can that's cool like only grant you access <clears throat> so i'm going to start messing with that for my writing um cuz that's, pretty that's cool. the thing i keep procrastinating on
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think about like when i'm thinking about the solution to this when i was reading your email um or your essay <clears throat> when i was thinking about habit stacking it um, I think I'm gonna I was gonna try maybe like I already kind of am good at blo- getting that 90 minute like scheduling that 90 to 120 minutes and being disciplined with that part of the schedule now it still moves sometimes but I think that maybe if you picked one thing on your schedule like a 90 minute block or something that you just it was religiously like I'm hitting this 90 minutes, Mm -hmm. make sure it's early enough where things start stacking underneath it, where that discipline becomes more of a habit because of that one block.
0: It's uh, a, again, discipline. Yeah. That's the name of the game. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of, will you do it every day? And, um, it's, it's simple. It's not easy. No. Yeah. So, all right, man. Cool. Anything else?
1: No. Do you got anything?
0: Uh, No. That was very pertinent. Hopefully people um, get some value.
1: Cool. Awesome. And I appreciate you writing that essay because it reminded me how much I suck at my schedule. (laughs) Good.
0: You and me both, man. All right. Nope. Good shit. Thank you so much for listening to Beanie and Blazer Radio. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. It makes a huge difference and we really appreciate it. For more resources, visit our website, BeanieAndBlazer.com. We have tons of other great content available for you to check out. Stay tuned for new episodes of the podcast every Thursday. Thanks for listening.